Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Friday, February 25th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I think this is the most important podcast I've ever done, and the reason is related to Ukraine and Russia. There's an expression, I have a dog in this hunt, and that's the expression that applies to what's happening in Russia and in the Ukraine as I podcast. So let me explain. My ancestors on my mother's side are from Latvia. It is a country in the Baltics, and my grandmother was made of iron. She was made of steel. Many people thought she was cold. Probably most people thought she was cold. But I've come to learn that it was her heritage. It was an iron core that she had. And I've seen it in action in the last 24 hours from people who are connected to what's happening in the Ukraine. And a little later on in the podcast, I'll explain what that is. The other dog in the hunt is that I've been to Russia. I was in Russia several decades ago, and I had my own experience with what Russian life was like, especially to a Westerner. I had taken a very long vacation throughout a summer period through the North Cape of Europe, through Scandinavia, up into Helsinki, and then into Moscow. And I spent a few days in Moscow and a few days in Leningrad, and I remember how shocking the difference was, how suppressed the people felt, and how they lived. I saw women driving bulldozers in the streets of Moscow while they were doing construction. I saw so many people crammed into small apartments in Moscow. I saw people who were afraid to talk to me, you could tell, because I was a foreigner. I had young people come up and stand next to me and whisper to me, how much were your jeans? I had people try to buy my jeans, literally buy my blue jeans. I was offered rubles for my blue jeans. I mean, at the time, life was so hard and drab and oppressive. But I remember the Bolshoi cost 25 cents the equivalent of 25 cents, the ballet. And I thought to myself, you know, back in New York, in Manhattan, if I wanted to go to a show on Broadway to a theater, it would be hundreds of dollars for a front row seat. But the Bolshoi, the most elegant ballet in the world was 25 cents. And the reason was to sort of keep the people happy, right? To give them something to escape the reality of their drab, difficult lives. And I remember that when I flew out of Russia after, I don't know, five or six days, I flew to Copenhagen. And when the plane landed, I had flown back Aeroflot 
which was the Russian airline, which was like a World War II surplus junker plane. And when we landed in Copenhagen and I came down the steps, there were two Russian stewardesses standing at the base of the stairs coming off the plane. When I got to the bottom step, I bent down and kissed the ground at their feet and said out loud, thank God I'm in a free country. That's how awful and oppressive those days were and what an eye-opening experience it was for me, not only as a Jew in Russia, but just as an American in Russia. We have so little sense of the blessings and the abundance that we have in the West and the freedom that we have here in the United States that it takes a trip to a country like that to feel the oppression to feel how unfree you are and to yearn to be able to feel that feeling of freedom again. And so yesterday I read an essay by Vladimir Putin that's available on the internet. You can find it. He wrote it on July 12th of 2021. The reason that date sticks in my head is that July 12th is my birthday. The essay is about 5,000 words long. And it's a read that's a struggle for most Westerners because Putin goes into his version of Russian history. There are many phrases and terms and I guess you would say concepts that are somewhat anathema to those of us in the West because unless you're familiar with Russian history and Russian terminology and Russian emperors, etc., and what happened with the Bolshevik Revolution, it's a little challenging to read. Nonetheless, there is a theme throughout that essay, and I believe that in July of 2021, Vladimir Putin put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, and he told the world what he was going to do and why he was going to do it. And in fact, it was all about the Ukraine. It was also about Poland and Lithuania. But it was primarily about the Ukraine, or at least it was about Poland and Lithuania in the context of its impact on how the Ukraine came to be its own entity, or at least claiming to be its own entity, as opposed to a part of, quote, Mother Russia, end quote. And so when you read that essay, it becomes very clear that Putin wanted Ukraine back under the wing of Russia. He wanted it part of greater Russia because he believes that's where it always has been and should be. But there's also a sense in that article, in that essay, that he blames Poland, Lithuania, and some of the West, or all of the West, whatever, the powers of of the Western world, for the fragmentation of Russia. As I look at what's happening in the Ukraine, having read that essay, I believe his intention, whether it's now as part of the incursion into or the invasion into Ukraine, or whether it's two years from now or six months from now or some point in time in the future, he intends to take Poland and Lithuania as well. And there's probably a whole bunch of other Baltic countries, uh, regions that he plans to incorporate or bring back into the fold of, quote, Mother Russia, end quote. Again, there is a similarity in my mind between what he is doing and what Hitler did. 
If you remember, Hitler only wanted Poland and Neville Chamberlain made it possible for Hitler to ultimately take the countries that he took in Europe because of appeasement, because of an unwillingness to recognize what was driving Hitler and how serious he was about what he believed. I think there's a similar intention in Putin. I think he intends to gobble up much of the Baltic region. And I think he intends ultimately to control Europe through their reliance upon his energy production. And in fact, some of the reticence, I believe, to quickly oppose, intervene with what he's doing in Ukraine is because of Europe's energy reliance. And they're not the only ones who are energy reliant on Putin, on Russia. The United States currently buys about 200,000 barrels of oil a day from Russia. Just recently increased our purchase to 600,000 additional barrels of oil. So it's not just Europe, it's us as well. So whether it's an underestimation of what it is he intends to do, or whether it's just business as usual, meaning there are an awful lot of people making money off of transactions that you and I, the average person, either know nothing about or have no interest in. And those are the people in power around the world. And they're here. They're not just in other countries. They're here in the United States as well. And that is why I believe there's been a slow response to what Putin is doing. Before we had the internet, before we had the ability to witness things happening in real time around the world, it was almost impossible to understand the emotional component, the human cost of war. It wasn't until, quote, our boys would come home and we would see young men mangled physically and damaged emotionally, or it wasn't until the Allies broke into the concentration camps and saw the human toll, people who were emaciated to the point of death, that we actually got to experience some version, some empathetic connection to what people go through under the heinous conditions of war. But today, two things brought it incredibly home to me. One was, I happened to stumble on the Instagram page of, I think it's pronounced Maxim Chmerkovsky. You may know him better than I do. Apparently he's on Dancing with the Stars, but he's a Ukrainian. And he was in Ukraine filming Dancing with the Stars. And now he's stuck in Ukraine. And he has an Instagram account. And I watched several videos of him from Kiev, from the capital, where he is. His wife and children are here in the United States, or his wife and child, I'm not sure. I think he has th two or three children. Listening to him brought something home to me. I mean, my daughter served in the Israeli army. She was a volunteer, an out-of-country volunteer, because we're Jews, and you can do that. You can volunteer in the Israeli army. And she made Aliyah in the process, which means she became an Israeli citizen as well. So she has dual citizenship. And my daughter happened to be stationed right outside of Gaza. And so for the three years that she was there, I often didn't sleep because of what was happening. And there were times when even her base was attacked. And there were times when she called me from inside the bomb shelter. 
It's a very different experience of war when you can talk to or listen to someone in real time as bombs or rockets or missiles are being lobbed at them. And so listening to Tchaikovsky, it was very heartrending that these people, these Ukrainians are to the to the women and children picking up rifles to defend their country and their leader Zelensky who is a Jew, by the way, has refused to leave the country. Whereas if you remember in Afghanistan, the leaders couldn't run out fast enough with the billions they have stolen. Yet Zelensky and his family are staying firm in the capital, fighting with his citizens, his with his co-Ukrainians to stave off what they can as the West too weakly Responds. I mean, I know we've cut off some finances, and I know finally this afternoon the United States and some of the Western NATO countries have now personally sanctioned Putin. But where were we before knowing this would happen? Why weren't the armaments there? Why weren't the NATO troops there ready to go in as soon as possible before Ukrainians died? And they already have. Hundreds of them have already died as of tonight. And the other thing that so touched me tonight, I saw a Ukrainian soldier whose name will probably go down in history. His name is Vitaly Shunkin. Today, there was a bridge in the Ukraine called the, I think, Heneshkes Bridge. I'm not sure the pronunciation. In the Kirshen region where the Russian troops were attempting a takeover. And he set the charges to blow up the bridge. And then he radioed his unit and said, I don't have time to get out. The Russians are right here at the bridge and I don't have time to get out. So he detonated the bridge and blew himself up in the process. I find it hard to say this without choking up because that act of heroism, that act of dedication, that act of patriotism to save his country and his fellow citizens at the cost of his own life is nothing short of heroic. And so I understand now my grandmother differently. I understand the iron core that she had being one generation away from her heritage in the Baltic region. I think there's perhaps something we as Westerners cannot even understand. That is the fortitude and the center and the determination and the sheer will of those people. What has made them that way and what keeps them that way. But it is incredibly admirable. I know that my grandmother went through a great deal in her life and she always did it in a way that I thought was rather stoically. But now I understand that it's just a determination and a will to stand firm in what you believe in. Something that we Americans of late have a real problem doing. And for those of us who try to do it, the government wants to smack us down. I'm not saying our leaders are as bad as Vladimir Putin, but cancel culture is. Cancel culture is a cancer. I've said it before and I will say it again. The reason that it matters so much what's happening in Ukraine is because, as I've always said, we're all connected. I've written a book about that connection, and I've written a book about energy and how important energy is, how it is the fundamental way that we exist, all of us, 
both animate and inanimate objects are all at the cellular level or all at the quantum level, I should say, pure energy. And there's that energy, but there's also the energy we exchange. You know, money is a form of energy. We use it simply as an exchange. And how we use energy matters. You know, I always give the example of if you plug a 110 appliance into a 110 outlet here in the United States, the appliance works. But if you plug the same 110 appliance into a 220 outlet in Europe, in France, or in England, you'll burn out the appliance and you'll cut the circuit. You'll damage the circuit because it's not the proper use of energy. It doesn't line up. Well, when we exchange U.S. dollars for oil from Vladimir Putin, and we continue to buy oil from him right up until this moment when the president goes on television, our president, and says we're going to implement sanctions on him, but not sanctions that stop the exchange of trade, meaning oil, then shame on us. Talk about the misuse of energy, our energy, American tax dollars from Americans working hard, then paying our taxes to the government and having the government use our energy that we literally put forth from our bodies to turn into work that brings us money, that lets us then pay our taxes and to take those tax dollars and to give them to a murderer and a dictator like Vladimir Putin. It defies comprehension, and it is the epitome of hypocrisy. From 2020 to 2021, we increased by threefold our reliance and the shipments from Russia to the United States of oil. Why? We know why. We closed down the XL pipeline, and we opened for him the Nord Stream 2 pipeline into Europe. Again, defies reason and is an incredible misuse of energy because it has made us dependent upon a dictator who wants to see the end of us, who wants to see the end of liberty and personal freedom and the autonomy of democratic nations. I thought of this today. It's as if you went to a farmer's market to get vegetables. And when you got there, this big husky guy who ran the farmer's market, as you pulled up, you saw him beating up a child who happened to have a stand next to his. The child wasn't even selling the same thing, but he was just beating up this child. And so you pull up and you buy the vegetables and you leave. And you ignore the fact that he's beating up the child. And the next day you go back to buy more vegetables from him. And again, you see him beating up the child, but you buy more vegetables and you go home. How awful is that? I mean, it's Vladimir Putin. It's paying the bully while he's beating up the child, Ukraine. Why? Because you want the vegetables. You want the oil. Now think how much more obscene that analogy is if you have a vegetable garden on your property and you just don't want to use it. You don't want to mess up your lawn. You don't want to mess up what it looks like. Well, we have all the oil we need on our own land but we keep paying the bully who's beating up the little boy. And by the way, thinking that he'll never beat us up, that he'll never turn on us and do to us what he's doing to the child. Especially when we indicate that we're reluctant to stand up 
for what is right and what is good and what is true. You know, the price we are paying, literally the dollars, the price we are paying for oil in buying it both from Russia and by the way, Iran, we bought a million barrels of oil from Iran in March of 2021. Think about that. A country that is rushing to develop nuclear weapons so it can destroy the great Satan and the little Satan, the United States and Israel. A million barrels of oil we bought from them. So it matters. It matters because we're all connected. It matters because what we do matters. We are supporting darkness. We are supporting oppression. How we use energy matters. We can use it rightly or we can use it wrongly. I call it the rightful use of energy. And right now, we're using energy wrongly. We are knowingly obtaining oil and funding a bully, a murderer, and a dictator. Yes, we need energy. Yes, we need fuel. But if we get it at the expense of turning a blind eye to the truth for profit, the price we pay will be infinitely greater and much more costly than the dollars that we use to exchange for that oil. This is our own life force that we are using to enrich and support darkness and oppression. I cannot adequately express my sorrow for what those people in the Ukraine are going through as I'm speaking. Tonight, they are fighting for their very existence and they are not disconnected from us or rather we are not disconnected from them. Sooner or later, the kind of dictatorial expansionist designs that a Putin or a Hitler have on the world, if left unchecked, will spread as far as they are allowed to, as Hitler did and as Putin will do. Whether or not he thinks he has a claim to the Ukraine, to the Baltics, to Poland, to Lithuania, it doesn't really matter. If those nations seek to be on their own, seek to determine their own fates, it is not for him through the use of murderous force to attempt to force on those people that which they do not want for themselves. I am so proud if I have a right to be of those people in Ukraine tonight, simply because somewhere in my blood, there is a history that traces back to Latvia, to that iron-willed determination to sacrifice everything for what we in the United States take for granted every day and for which we seem unwilling to even stand up for in our own constitution. And certainly what we just saw Justin Trudeau try to do to the people in Canada. You have to stop bullies. You have to get in their face and say, not me, not on my watch, not here, not now. Because if I have to, I'm willing to put my life and my sacred honor on the line. It matters that much that living without it isn't worth living at all. I know there are people who mock and make fun of when religious or conservative people say, you are in our hearts and our prayers. But to the people of Ukraine tonight, you are in my heart. You are in my prayers, and I pray for divine intervention 
because I am concerned that the intervention by man has been woefully inadequate. May those souls who have died in the last 24 to 48 hours in Ukraine rest in peace. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold, and I'll be back here again on Monday. Until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.